morning, everybody. Glad to be with you this fourth Saturday in April, 2023. My name is Ed Samuel. I'm a career coach with a firm called Sam Manova, and this is the Optimize Your Career program. For those tuning in for the first time, I am one at 8 a.m. Eastern time, every Saturday morning for 30 minutes to give you career advice, tips, ideas, answer questions, just about every facet to help you or someone you know optimize your career. The lower firm is based in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, about an hour west of Philadelphia. We serve clients across the USA. In fact, 70% of our clients are all across the country. We help those who are working or in job transition who want to advance or optimize their career in some way. We've coached more than 900 people to date and revamped well over 1,250 resumes. And we've conducted over 950 career assessments and consultations. We know our aim is always to help you get to a better place, whether it's more money, more happiness, better alignment to your values, or a shift to something completely different, or even to bring in a secondary flow of income. So all in all, we continue to be incredibly busy, getting calls almost daily from all walks, from all industries, from all jobs, from all situations. And uh, this past week, we had yet another client land a job. And it's really interesting. Every once in a while, I'll see somebody put a post out on LinkedIn and say, hey, the dream job does not exist. It's just a fantasy. And let's stop talking about a dream a job. Everything out there is just, you know, kind of lovely and we have to work. And, and I, don't, I don't rally around that, that notion or that point. I do believe that dream, dream jobs do exist. Maybe because I'm in one myself as a career coach. <clears throat> but it's really neat when I have clients land jobs and they say to me, Ed, this is the dream job. This is what I've been working 20 years for. Blood, sweat, and tears. You know, and I always tag that vision in, in, the, in the future about landing a job just like the one I just accepted. And his job has a global reach. It's 100% what, you know, he was looking for. And it really utilizes all his skills and abilities that he's garnered to date in his career. And uh, I believe he's going to start in a couple of weeks. He has not gone public, so I'm not going to share all the details. But I, but when he does, I will explain a little bit more about him and his journey, uh, maybe in the month of May. But certainly we'll share much more. But, you know, the whole notion of uh, a dream job doesn't exist. I beg to differ. Dream jobs are out there. You have to work for them. You have to plan. You have to... Uh, and sometimes it's not going to happen overnight. Sometimes it's going to happen over a period of time. And then, and then it comes at you. So uh, I just couldn't be happier for him. Now, companies are continuing to downsize, maybe at a little bit lesser rate, but it continues. But there's a lot of jobs being posted still. And I haven't seen, you know, I'm looking forward to the next unemployment set of numbers. But I am told that uh, interest rates might go up again. To continue to slow the um, slow uh, the job growth down, and, and the irony is, uh, you know, as we continue to increase the interest rate, the kind of attack in inflation, you know, uh, job growth, you know, they're they're hoping that it slows, uh, and it hadn't been. Now, the one thing I did I, I have noticed, you know, and this is just you know based on the hundreds of hundreds of jobs that we review every week for clients across the country. That the, the larger dollar jobs, 250, 300,000, 350,000 dollar jobs seem to be slowing down a tad. But 
generally speaking, across the board, there are still a ton of jobs. And we talk about that with our clients uh, each week. Now, here's the twist. The twist is, in spite of the downsizing that's going on, people continue to resign, continue to quit, continue to leave their employers. And I find it, again, fascinating that I haven't seen this before. I haven't seen people at this level of intensity continuing to, to actively lead. And, you know, I, I, I heard someone say the other day, you know, COVID, you know, that period of three years that we went through COVID has really just fostered like a ton of a greater confidence in the average American worker in terms of, hey, I can get things done remotely. I don't have to be in the office. Hey, uh, I have choices. And you know what? Uh, I can contribute in a way I never thought I could because uh, I could do it from home. And there's this sense that, you know, people have been more empowered during that three-year period. And there is, you know, I've, I read some, some documents where companies are trying to revert back to the way it was four years ago, five years ago. They're trying to revert back to, hey, you got to come to the office. You have to sit right outside my office. Hey, you have to do this. You have to do that. And people are getting, you know, are too wise now. They're saying, wait a minute now. Why, what's the rationale? We were doing just fine and hitting all our numbers. Why, why do you want me to come uh, to the office every day? So we literally have gotten phone calls in the last week from people who say, I'm being forced to kind of go into the office every day and that's not going to happen. Uh, and how do you get me the heck out of here? Now, but that's, you know, that's, that's some of the background behind it. Now, this past week, in fact, a week ago, I put a poll out on LinkedIn. And the poll that I asked, you know, what, why are people resigning and quitting? What, what are, what, what's the key driver? And I will say I received more votes, and I think I'm approaching uh, well over 6,000 impressions on this poll. By far, the most interaction, the most response, the most viewed poll that I put out there in 2023 has to do about quitting and resigning. And one of the things that, you know, I, I, I always say when, when this topic comes up, I hope the goodness, the people that lead employees, that manage teams, hire, fire, lead organizations, whether you're a manager, supervisor, director, vice president, CEO, president, I wish you would listen to this program, and it's only 20 minutes of your time, 25 minutes of your time to listen in, to hear some of the reasons people quit. And, you know, if, if people are resigning, quitting, because it's a planned activity, that's okay. Hey, I'm going to retire. Hey, I'm moving to California. I'm going to be, you know, leaving my job September 1st. Hey, uh, I have to leave, go on a sabbatical. Hey, I have to leave to take care of the family, but the priest ill. So there are reasons people leave, and companies understand that, and it's clear. It people know about it. It's not a surprise. But what I'm talking about are people resigning and quitting that an employer didn't see coming. You know, a lot of uh, companies, you know, were downsizing. But it's really interesting when you see companies downsizing that okay, we just left. You know, we just let go. 10%, 5%, 3% of our population. And yet the very tough, the people that are left behind are the ones who are calling me up, calling up other career coaches, calling up 
other employers and saying, hey, I'm, I want to get out of here. And there's a lot of, you know, there's some reasons why, right? So when those people leave, it's very unplanned. That's not what employers are hoping for, counting on. And when they leave, they were part of any downsizing. They 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 left because of uh, some of the reasons I'm going to share here. And again, if and that's unplanned attrition, what you call unplanned attrition. And the mistake that some people will make, well, you know, you know, HR should have been on top of that. Well, some of the people that are calling me actually work at HR, and they're leaving because of poor HR leadership. So don't always assume that you know HR is innocent in this entire affair. Every every function, every leader across the board, uh, you know, should be listening. Now, HR, you always hope human resources is role playing. They're trying to be the very best of the best, like right? uh, the working example of great leadership, so that they can then influence how that same leadership should be occurring in a company. But unfortunately, that just doesn't happen most of the time. Most of the time, they're trying to do the very best and to influence the operations of a company. And now an operations is almost always dictated by the head of the company, head of the division, head of the business unit. And so many times, if the, um, the head of those organizations don't rally around the concerns I'm going to mention here in a, in a, in a minute or two, if they don't rally around it or understand that it, it's a problem, that it really creates a problem for HR to try to influence a better outcome for a company. I don't care who you are, I don't care how much they get paid, that's how smart you are. If the head of that division says, hey, this doesn't really matter, attrition doesn't matter, losing great people really doesn't matter, if that's their thinking, or, hey, we're achieving our numbers, we're hitting top goals. therefore, everything that you're saying it doesn't matter, that's a, um, that's, that, that, that is highly problematic, that you're going to really try to uh, deal with attrition because of the reasons uh, I'm going to share here about. So let's start with the lowest one, and we'll work away kind of backwards to the highest one. And this one, this percent came in low. I think it's a little bit lower than what it should be, but one percentage, one question uh, that was asked, you know, why are you resigning? Making a career pivot 8% on this poll. And we got well over 200 uh, votes on the poll, uh, on, on the poll. So 8%, that, that means that people are leaving because they're in a job, they're in a career, they're doing something at work, and they're going to leave because they want to do something completely different. And they're not waiting around to get laid off. They're not waiting around, you know, for something to happen. They're resigning to go do something different now. So 8%, oh, maybe one out of every 10, uh, roughly, uh, we're going to leave for that reason. And I speak to career pivots all the time. I think that number is low. I, I thought it would be at least 20%. But, uh, and then career pivots, remember, career pivots could be easy and they could be, you know, medium and they could be really hard. So a career pivot would be somebody going from sales to engineering. Hey, I'm going to make this huge pivot in my career and I'm going to make that move now. Or it could be something less, you know, less dramatic. It could be I'm leaving sales to go into maybe marketing. You know, in marketing, the sales are kind of like a, a brother-sister relationship type of thing in that, you know, they're they're kind of related. The easy, easy pivot would be I'm going from sales to sales support, right? I'm still within the family. But making a career pivot, usually when you're resigning from a company, the reason you're, these people are making the pivot is because leadership, management, the boss, they really don't care about your pivot. And 
in many cases, if you're in, you know, a function within a company, the manager is not going to be real supportive of you leaving sales to go engineering anytime, sir, because they want you in sales. They don't want you in engineering. And so what happens is that when the communication is really poor between manager and employee, these conversations never take place. They never really try to understand what a person is meant to be or wants to be. Therefore, it's swept under the rug, and then we just go along our day thinking everything's fine. But then what happens is that those folks will call me up as a career coach. Hey, I don't want to pivot right out of this company. And then we help them pivot out of the company. But many times, it's because, you know, maybe 50% of the time, there was no need to pivot out of the company because they couldn't pivot it within the company. But again, uh, I'll blame it for, you know, I'll blame it on lack of leadership in terms of um, manager, supervisor, not really understanding where their employees are at at that point in time. Now, here's the next one. The next one, and again, I thought it might have been a little bit higher. Career growth has slow, slowed, or ended. Career growth has slowed, and that came in at 10%, right at 10%. So again, one out of 10 people are basically leaving saying, hey, well, I work for a person in a company where I'm not doing any work anytime soon, and that they kind of stop, they, they stop growing it. Now, there are some leaders in companies that say, look, if I can't grow you upward, I'll grow you sideways. Like, if think of one company specifically, they're, they're masters at it because they don't want people to leave for the very reasons I'm talking about now. They want them to stay. And, and look, if you're in a small company and it's only five people and you work for somebody and you want to advance and that company's not growing, you, you might have to leave that company if you want to grow your career. If you're in a big company, and there's lots of room to grow to different places, or even within your own organization, is your growth being slowed down for a reason? Is it not an active conversation with your boss? How to grow? When to grow? How do you get to get there? Is the conversation not even being had? In other words, not, there's not even a conversation. It's just the boss doesn't talk about growth. Really doesn't talk about learning, growing, developing in my role. It just it's just not talked about. But then what happens is that because those conversations are real conversations and they don't happen at all, then people call me up as a career coach. Hey, yeah, you know, my growth has ended probably two years ago, a year ago. And all this is lip service. I'm not growing anywhere. And there's no plans for me to grow. Now get me out of here. I got to go somewhere else. And in some cases, when people leave to grow, they may get more compensation. They may be paid more. But the issues in this particular case is not compensation. In this case is about people learning and growing and developing, well, 10%. But here's the next one. The next one is what I just mentioned. Close to 15% be because they believe they're being underpaid. It's not competitive. It's not competitive. Well, it was not competitive. Uh, you know, again, whose fault is that? Is it the company's fault? Probably. Many times it is. Is it the boss's fault? Sometimes it is. Look, sometimes you get hired into a company that pay you at a certain rate, and they're going to justify everything based on pay effort. And pay equity said, well, hey, there's five other people here, and they all make about this money. I'm bringing this person in, and they're going to make about the same money. I am not, not going to risk anything by bringing in at a higher salary. But then the person's there a year or two, and you're working really hard, and you find out that you're doing better than everyone else, and that you should be making more money than everybody else. But what kind of got you there to begin with is this thing called pay equity, which is different than market value. And some companies are proud to say, and I've worked for one that, you know, they beat themselves, you know, they, they beat their chest and say, we don't pay market value. Other people will pay more than us because we give you other benefits. And that's true. They do give other benefits. But at some point, 
as you grow your career, if the company is not willing to do some things to help you grow and continue to build this compensation, and you have a growing family, or you have bills, you have other obligations, you want to do things, you want to see your income raised, you know, there has to be a conversation. Have a thought to that happen while I'm working at this company. What's the plan? And again, we go back to if the boss that you work for doesn't want to have that discussion with you or avoids that discussion with you, or you avoid that discussion with your boss, it, it just never happens. So then what happens is that you believe the only force of action, an employee believes the only force of action is to leave. Well, ways we're recruiting the call or leave on their own or see a job and apply. And the next thing you know, uh, you're working somewhere else and now you're making more money. For some of the larger firms, the multi-billion dollar firms is always a problem for people that come to me and they've worked it for 15 years, 18 years, 20 years. See, those companies are under no obligation to ensure that the employees that work for them are paid at market value. They get ratcheted back into, let's make sure our equity is even, and let's make sure you know we're doing the best we can. But sometimes what will happen is that in worthy sort of larger companies, they give you more work, more work, more work, and your value actually exceeds the competitive rate that they even have you in. And they don't want to promote you. But the bottom line is, if you went and you left that company, went to another company, doing the same amount of work, you may end up getting 10%, 50%, 25%. I've seen it up to 28% in the last year where people have left their firms and landed another job. And now they're making market value, right? So companies should take a harder look at it, maybe to make be a better conversation with employees that has to be take that aspect take place, but that's 15%. Now, what came in number one? 67% toxic leadership and culture. 67%. I mean, that's more than two-thirds of everyone leaving is because the culture's bad, not good. The leadership is bad, not good. My boss is bad, not good. My boss's boss is bad, and it actually works them and loss. Sometimes, sometimes you could be working for a really great person and the person's boss is toxic. That's why people leave. Now, the culture, the culture is driven from the top down. The culture is about, you know, how we communicate, how we treat people, how we act, what we say versus what we don't say. When we walk in the talk, do we have posters in the hallway that are just posters or do you really try to, to live it? And, 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 and look, I've worked so were some amazing companies that I could just tell you from the ones that were amazing uh, leadership. I don't, they, they tried to really walk the talk from the top down. There was no power plays going on. The open door was actually an open door with no repercussions. Leadership communicated it, and they even said things they probably should have said, but they said it anyway in the spirit of open communication. Toxic leadership is completely different. Toxic leadership is when your boss is micromanaging, your boss is pounding the fist, his fist on his table or fist on the table, but using their power to think they, they think because you work for them, they own you, and they can treat you any way they want. They should demand things that are completely unreasonable. They don't care if they say bad things on a Friday at 4.30 p.m. I need to see you like office on Monday morning, evening up, and it's Friday at 4.45 they leave you that message. You know what that is? 
that is the biggest bunch of baloney garbage leadership that you that that, that you know that you know that that I've seen over the years. I don't know a better way to explain it, but garbage leadership. Ruin someone's weekend so you could have your power trip by making a negative comment or or throwing stuff like that on a Friday afternoon. Or and it could not be on a Friday. It could be on a Monday as you're headed to your daughter's or son's birthday party. I've seen that happen. I had a person a few years back say, fall down. Hey, I'm thinking about leaving my company. I said, why? What's going on? I goes, do you realize that my boss, he makes fun of Christians, literally in the meetings. He makes fun of Christians at work in the meeting, at meetings. When should they do it? So then we'll pray about it, but I'm not sure, you know, I would want you to stay there. So toxic leadership, here's the reality of toxic leadership. It's condoned by management. And if the person at top is the most toxic at all, then you have a bunch of little toxic leaders running all over the place. But if the person at top is is a good person and, and they have this organization and people reporting to them, and if you are toxic leaders running around, the only thing I've ever seen happen here is they either they don't know it, shame on that, or what happens is those toxic leaders are making their numbers in market share, profitability, expense reduction, you may and they're making it even at the expense of the organization of the people. And guess what? Cough, cough, look the other way. They don't get they don't get reprimanded at all. That is sad. But guess what? I could say all those things, and for all those companies who don't want to do anything. All those leaders who don't want to do anything, guess what the response is? The response is employers are getting smart to call people like me up and say, Ed, get me the heck out of here. Get me the heck out of here. And if the big part of why people are leaving is because of this toxic leadership, toxic culture, so be it. Let them leave. And that just hurts the company and the organization. And quite honestly, the people that are left behind rather to deal with that same toxic leadership. So in any event, um, those are the poll results. Why people continue to uh, resign and leave, I hope and pray that leaders could listen to this call and be thinking about what they can do to prevent unplanned attrition, especially along these reasons. So hopefully you've gotten a few tidbits this morning on why people continue to leave. And if you fall into any of these categories and you're listening to me for the first time, give us a call. So we're just about out of time. For those new to the program, I did publish my first book called Optimize Your Resume, Do's and Don'ts, The Sam Nova Way. It's available on our secure website. We'll pick up shipping costs. Go to Sam Nova Inc. S-A-M-N-O-V-A-I-N-C.com. Sam Nova Inc.com. And look for resume book. Look for resume services drop down. You'll see us there. You can also get it via Amazon. 500 plus positive comments, including a most recent LinkedIn recommendation from a client who landed the job who will claim it was because of the resume work that we did for them. So take a look. Every Tuesday, 11 a.m. on Clubhouse, focusing on career, faith, and purpose with Charlotte Taylor, another career coach and resume writer based in Florida. It's a voice only, so there's no PowerPoints. You use yourself up. I would encourage you to go to, again, or website, samdopeinc.com. Click on events. I'm going to be speaking about career pivots in Princeton, New Jersey, next Friday morning. It's a hybrid, so I'll be there physically, and I'll be it'll be streamed virtually. I'll be talking about 18 do's and don'ts of pivoting your career. 
you know, on Saturday morning, next Saturday, I'll be talking about job search best practice and a great career. So again, you'll get information and ways to register by going to my event page. So please join me on next uh, Optimize Your Career program next Saturday, April 29th at 8 a.m. This is Ed Samuel, Career Coach with Sam Nova. If you'd like to reach me, reach out on LinkedIn. 26,000, close to 200 direct connections. Or just Google my name, Ed Samuel, Career Coach. I'll come up, click there. You'll see me there. Great way to reach me uh, is again through our website. Or call our main number at 610-274-8214. So make it a great Saturday. Wishing you and yours a great weekend. Stay safe and God bless.